This is Jonathan Armstrong from Cordray over here in Europe, and we're very pleased to be joining you for this week's Tech Law 10 podcast. Eric, uh, as ever, is in California. He's with the Dwayne Morris Law Firm. And Eric, you're still enjoying the machinations of your dear President Trump. What's on your mind this week? Well, today you can call me Noah, and I'm about to yell on my arc because we've been having biblical raves, uh, <laughs> so it's pretty wet. Uh, but yes, uh, the world goes on. We're still here. We're still able to report. We're marching toward uh, podcast 200. Uh, we're now in the 190s, and we might have a special treat for you for number 200. But that being said, yes, um, there's so many things happening in the world of Trump, and of course, we're here for legal and tech, and so I can do a little bit about that. As we know, oh gosh, almost two weeks ago, I think, uh, Donald Trump executed an executive order banning people from coming into the United States from seven uh, particular countries that the administration selected. We're not quite sure why those countries, but nevertheless, that happened. There have been some legal challenges to that, most notably in federal court in Seattle, and a federal judge uh, granted a temporary restraining order essentially staying the ban uh, for now until fuller consideration, and it's up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. Uh, there was uh, a telephonic hearing uh, two nights ago, today's um, Thursday, February 9th, so that happened two nights ago on February 7th, and that's being considered. Um, interestingly, before I go a little bit further, um, at that hearing, the attorney for the government was asked by the judge please, counsel, tell me how many people since 9-11, so that's 16 years ago, from those seven countries have committed terrorist acts on the United States. And the attorney said, <laughs> well, Your Honor, I don't really need to come forward with that evidence. And he said, why? And she said, because the president said so. So if the <laughs> president said so, that's good enough evidence. To which the federal judge said, I'm sorry, we need to rely upon facts and not fiction, and he granted the temporary restraining order. So that went up like a rocket to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal. It's being considered by three appellate justices. It's not supposed to be political, but two of those justices come from appointments by uh, Obama and Clinton, one from, I believe, one of the Bush presidents. Uh, likely, whatever happens there will go up like a rocket to the United States Supreme Court. We know the Supreme Court right now has only eight justices. They're kind of evenly divided 4-4 four, four, if you sort of put them in liberal and conservative camps. If there were a deadlock at the Supreme Court, then whatever the Ninth Circuit decides would hold. And All right. it's, it's very conceivable the Ninth Circuit will uphold the restraining order on the, uh, on the ban, uh, shall so we say. It's not like... It's not like some yeah. aspects of your democracy where the vice president can step in and vote. No, not, not like the, uh, the recent confirmation of our secretary of education. That's correct. Um, meanwhile, of course, we have Neil Gorsuch appointed by or nominated by President Trump to take the Supreme Court if approved by the Senate, and he probably will be. Of course, don't take, take the Senate. Whatever, whatever I predict, take with a grain of salt because I predict that Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidential election, although she did by the popular vote quite, quite a bit, but not the Electoral College. But he's being considered... I doubt he'll be on the Supreme Court by the time this particular case gets considered, 
But then there were reports um, that he actually said that President Trump's criticism of the judiciary is rather demoralizing. And this is an important point, Jonathan, before I sort of get into the tech aspect, and I'm almost there, please bear with mm-hmm. me. But, you know, right now we have a, a strong executive branch, shall we say, with these executive orders. We have uh, a Congress that's of the same party, and right now they're not stepping out at all. So we don't really have a check and balance from the legislative branch. What do you have left? You have the press. There's been a, a, an attempt to undermine the credibility of the press. You know, generally speaking, when there's news that's not uh, positive for the administration, it's called fake news. And so what do you have left? You've had the judiciary, and very unusually, this president has been very harsh in criticizing this federal judge. He called him a so-called judge. Well, this judge has been on the bench for a long time, and interestingly, he was appointed by a Republican president, uh, Bush one, a long time ago, and I think he's very well respected. He was confirmed by the Senate 99-0 when he was confirmed to the federal bench, so he's not a so-called judge. His opinion is referred to by the president as ridiculous. The president said if something bad happens here on our soil, blame it on the judge, which is relatively Mm. incendiary, because what if something bad did happen? What would happen to this judge? And then it raises the question, what would happen? There was a headline that said, Department of Homeland Security actually will follow the judge's order. I mean, to me, that's very surprising that that's even a headline. I mean, of course they should follow the order. It's an order from a federal judge. So, you know, I hope we don't have a constitutional crisis at some point where we have judicial rulings that are not followed by the administration. My, my hope is we're just getting frustrated tweets, and we've seen many of those, and it doesn't mean that uh, effective orders would not be followed. So what's the tech angle? What's interesting is, you know, we have what are called amicus briefs, friend of the court briefs that can be filed in cases that are not filed by actual parties to a case, but they're interested in the issues. And here we had about 128 U.S. companies join together and file a brief uh, against the, the ban, uh, saying, you know, and, and the vast majority of these companies are tech companies like Apple and Google and Microsoft and, you know, the sort of headline name companies saying mm-hmm. this ban is not a good thing for the United States, that we get yeah. really valuable uh, workers and ingenuity, people who come from abroad here to help our country, that some of the biggest and best companies here in the United States were founded by immigrants, and they represent trillions of dollars of money coming into our economy every year, and there's not a principal basis to keep these people out for their own good, but also for the good of our country. Meanwhile, former Secretaries of State Kerry and Albright have done the same thing. So there's a bit of, you know, and and the ACLU now is raising more money than it ever has in in the wake of these developments. So Mm. this is all very hot and fast um, and uh, brings to the fore many important issues for our country, especially the respect for the judiciary. Um, Okay, I said that all pretty quickly. (laughs) No, but, and and with great passion, and, and rightly so, I think, Eric, I mean, it's, it clearly is a, uh, you know, it, it's easy to say from, you know, however many thousand miles away to say that this doesn't look well thought through. But I think you've only got to look at the, the headlines as we see it from here. You know, uh, Google and Facebook, for example, uh, where 
extremely grateful for their expansion in London. You know, just before the Christmas break, Google said that it was going to create 3,000 new jobs in the UK. My uh, railway line home is from, you know, effectively, uh, you know, next door to the to the Google campus, and we're extraordinarily grateful to have them here. And and the pull from you know your part of the world, from California, here's the news: isn't the British weather? Um, there, there's obviously there's obviously something else that's that's um, leading to this. Um, I wouldn't call it a migration, but this spreading of the risk, if you like. And so I'm somewhat conflicted in that, um, you know, America's loss is sometimes the UK's gain. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, I was at the New York State Bar Association meeting at the end of last month, as I think I said, and the and the overwhelming one of the overwhelming uh, aspects of that meeting for me was people from both sides of the aisle saying we didn't think we'd live in a land where the president won't respect the uh, you know injunctions uh, emergency hearings from judges and and as you say calls them so-called judges we had the same scandal here where our government refused to uh, endorse the independence of the judiciary after the first Brexit hearing. And I'm happy to say that at the second hearing, that lesson was learned and the government stepped in very quickly to say, you know, people should not pick on the Supreme Court in this case, uh, you, you know, and, the, and that whatever the result, whether the government agreed with it or not, they uh, upheld the, the sanctity of the judges, if you like, to decide the result. And, and, and in an ideal world, that's something that, that Trump needs to say and needs to say quickly, isn't it? Yes, and frankly, you know, I was actually heartened when I heard the report that uh, nominee Gorsuch told one of our U.S. senators that he found the criticism of the judiciary demoralizing because you can bet when he's up for Senate confirmation that the, the real questions in the crosshairs are going to be, listen, uh, as a Supreme Court justice, if you believe the executive branch is going too far uh, as a matter of constitutional law or as a matter of executive orders, are you going to have the spine and the backbone to say no, even though this was the president who nominated you? And so now yeah. we have a report saying that the criticism of the judiciary is demoralizing. Um, I think that gives some credibility to Gorsuch. It might mollify people who might otherwise might want to oppose him. But then in the wake of that, Donald Trump has said that the senator who made the report that Gorsuch said that was lying. <laughs> so yeah. here we go again. And is this complicated by the fact that Sessions, the, the new attorney general, uh, was refused a judicial office on, on the basis of his previous alleged involvement in racist activity? Is it, is it sort of complicated by the fact that, if you like, Maybe in his eyes, the AG wasn't good enough to be a judge. In whose eyes? Uh, in his own eyes, he he, he oh. as I understand it, he he failed a um, a, a hearing to be yeah. for his appointment on the bench to be ratified, didn't he? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, yes, he Sessions was not uh, confirmed as a federal judge, but I think just yesterday he was just confirmed as. Uh, Attorney General, 
because yes. you know the wind because the, the you know the, the Senate is now differently populated. Um, a lot of things are going on. You know, Elizabeth Warren at, at that confirmation hearing wanted to read a letter into the record from Coretta Scott King, uh, the wife of the late Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and she was rebuked, and she mm -hmm. was told she could she could no longer speak on the issue because she was criticizing a sitting senator. When in fact, what she was doing was she was seeking to provide uh, comments on a nominee uh, being vetted by the Senate. Well, that, that backfired, and she's gone social media, and it's gone viral, um, and she's quite a firebrand yeah. right now. She, she might now be the, the new sort of face of the Democratic Party. I'm not sure I'm directly responding to you. I'm not quite sure how this... No, you are, and, 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 and I think that bit I thought was interesting even over here, and maybe that's a debate for another day as we come up for time, but how somebody who was denied the opportunity to speak in the debate walked you know, straight out of the parliament building, effectively, mm -hmm. and, and, and selfied herself on Facebook and almost carried on the speech direct to the public rather than through the assembly. And, yeah. uh, and you know, w we all know somebody who tried that through the election of, of bypassing the media in this case and, and speaking direct to the public. So it's interesting to see how the world's changed in in that respect in just a very short space of time isn't it it is indeed well first we don't have a parliament building per se but it's the analog <laughs> yes uh, we yeah have, we have a we have our capital so in any event no, i'm, I'm using uh, eric i'm using terms that should be used rather than those that are used oh well <laughs> take that touche <laughs> all right well, this has been your weekly Tech Law 10, perhaps Tech Law 15, but there's so much to say these days. Uh, we'll try to get back to you within a week. As we talked about, we're getting very close to 200, so hopefully you'll ring in 200 with us, our bicentennial. I'm Eric Sinrod, at Dwayne Morris. Uh, my, EJ, my email address is ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. Social media, you can find us on the usual social media outlets. Jonathan, why don't you give us the, the final parliamentary uh, comment? Yeah, well, thank you very much for listening. I'm Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Uh, we always appreciate it when you do engage with us either via email or via um, uh, uh, LinkedIn, etc. We don't apply the guillotine to letters from relatives of MLK, so if you want to send them to us, that's fine as well. And all that remains is to thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you again in a week or so. Thanks again. Cheers.